You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones and the Temple Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scenes. And this week we're moving on with our Rambo franchise. Matt, what do we watch? Uh, First one that starts throwing off our titles. We've got Rambo 3. If you're looking for Rambo 1 and 2, you won't find them (laughs) because those are the first blood movies. But this is Rambo 3 regardless. This mission's important, John. I want you to come with me to help me lead the team. What do you say, John? I put in my time. What's that mean? It means my war's over. He never draws first blood. He only fights back. The first time was for himself. The second time was for his country. This time... Rambo! Something went wrong. It's for his friend. Trumpman was a good man, and I'm really very sorry. You're just leaving him? What do you expect us to do? Send in a Delta team? Create an international incident? What about me? By the way you look, I can see you have no experience in war, do you? Fired a few shots. That if you're captured, we'll deny any participation or even knowledge of your existence. Sounds familiar. John Rambo. You'll find out. I know he's your friend. <laughs> but you cannot do this. You both will die. For what? Because you do it for me. What do you think this man is? God! Oh, God, we have mercy. He wants. The worst nightmare. Stallone. Rambo 3. I'm sorry I got you into this, John. I think it actually just says Rambo 3 in the trailer, which I'm sure confused people. Or maybe it made it more simple for people back in 88. Yeah, I mean, this is just like they were looking to see a Rambo movie. So Rambo three, it was, uh, I I'm curious. So one of the things, uh, for this movie, for me was that I had never seen it before we decided to talk about it. So I had never seen three and I, I wonder, and I don't, I don't think this is necessarily the case, but I wonder if the weird title thing had something to do with it. You know, maybe I rented first blood from the video store because I knew of first blood part two never really thought to look in the r's for rambo 3 i don't know i can't i can't confirm that because this is pre-internet days or whatever but uh, i'm wondering if i missed this one because of the weird titling it's got to do with having first blood first blood part two and then first blood part three just having first blood in the title is just it's odd when you get into sequels if there was just one it would have been fine 
Right. But, yeah. Like, like having it be even first blood part two is kind of funny because it's like, it's supposed to be the first blood. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, by the time we get to three, it's even more ridiculous. So yeah, base it down to what we're coming to see. We're coming to see Rambo. So Rambo three. Yeah. And I think you can even tell from the trailer, but this one's trying to trying. I'm going to say that right there trying to pull back to more of the deeper, darker themes of the first one. But then in the second half of this movie, completely stopping that this movie's odd. It is two different films. It is uh, much like the second one going off of the first one and basically turning into a cartoon. This one. Yeah. Like you said, kind of combine elements of both, but, in my brain then then that makes this one like a fully fledged cartoon because it just becomes so over the top and yeah we may have a little bit of a base of kind of seriousness in the setting but then it just goes so crazy off the rails that you know this feels like what i would imagine because i still haven't seen it yet but what i would imagine a full-length episode of the animated series might look like Yeah, and this film definitely feels like you can feel conflict in it uh, within itself. Like it doesn't quite want to know. Like we're saying, like the beginning, it feels like one movie and then it suddenly turns back into a cartoon of the second one. And I see that they replaced the director. Let's see what it says here. Mulchi was replaced by Peter McDonald, a second a veteran second unit director. It was McDonald's first film as a director, but he was very experienced and had directed the second unit action sequences in Rambo first blood part two. So right there, just reading that because I didn't do a ton of research on this film because I thought it was my first time seeing it. Turns out I've seen some of it, but this was my first time from beginning to end. I knew that right away. Just watching the film. I was like, Oh, Ooh, this seems like a bunch of different writers or someone took over the film i i had that it had the writing on the wall because when films take such tonal shifts it's either a director or writers doing it on purpose to manipulate the audience you know kind of like tarantino does in some of his films think dust till dawn even though he wrote that and rod robert rodriguez directed it am i correct yeah or it is done because someone is panicked like, oh, no, what kind of film are we making? And I'm assuming this director came in and goes, don't worry, I know what I'm doing. And then, boom, we have a cartoon the second half of the film. Because I could tell right away there's conflict inside of this movie. Yeah, I didn't I didn't deep dive too hard on the research either here, but I did see that several directors kind of came and went, and Peter McDonald was kind of brought in pretty last minute because several directors had come through um, and people that were probably on the Cosmatos level of filmmakers, you know, uh, from the second one. But uh, I, I actually, I would give Peter McDonald some credit because he, despite having kind of coming in on a movie that wasn't originally intended to be his, I think visually he's doing some cool stuff here. I think this is one of the best, if not the best looking Rambo uh, thus far. This one looks so much similar to the second one in a lot of it, uh, which makes sense because if he even if he did a third of the film, I can see it. Plus, when you're, you know, directing in desert and caves, there's only so much you can do. There were a few shots in this 
that I noticed that they went handheld. Did you notice that? Yeah. That was, I found that really interesting, especially with the, uh, when they were on the Calvary. You just don't see that a lot in 80s movies. No, you don't, yeah. And this is 88, so we're coming later or whatever. But yeah, it didn't, uh, I guess it was a kind of a new new take on uh, this type of action movie to kind of finally pick the camera up off the tripod and move around sort of throughout the uh, war scene, which is something we see all the time now, today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. The only time you saw like handheld was when it was like POV. Right, which there is none of in this. No, so. this, this was all like, they're like, let's take the these fighting scenes, let's have them move. And I'm sure that confused some audience members. Um, maybe not everyone. I noticed it a few times when Rambo was running around and I was like, oh, look at this. This is on the ground, gritty, right with him in the action. I, you know, I give, I clap. You know, a small golf clap to anyone who did that, because that took a lot of courage back then. That just didn't happen. And if it did, I can't remember. I'm glad you brought up like sort of the effect that this movie might have had on audiences, because going back to like how I had never seen it before. Also, too, I feel like this one was just, at least in my circles, was not really talked about, period. Like, so another reason probably why I avoided, I didn't know if people liked it. I didn't know if people didn't like it. I really just never heard about this one. So I really don't even know how audiences kind of reacted to it. Uh, You know, you know, when I was younger, it's, it's the forgotten Rambo film. It really is the first one, obviously with its deep impact of, you know, Vietnam vets coming back and how they were treated and their, their post-traumatic stress syndrome that they had and everything. And then you get to the second one, which comes has such a stark difference, but it becomes like the cartoon. And then I feel like this one was kind of just, even though it only came out three years past the last one, it feels like a decade past. Yeah, it does feel like quite a bit of time has changed things. And then this one being again in like the late 80s, being in 88, does sort of feel like that advertisement for the animated series, the advertisement for the action figures, you know, like that's, that was a thing we saw a lot then. And uh, this one kind of feels like, even though it isn't directly doing it, you know, it's not like here's Rambo in his uh, tank play set or anything like that, but like, it does feel like it is sort of like the lunchbox Rambo. <laughs> Perfect way to describe sense. it. Yeah, I, no, it really is. I think this is the one that really the the first one kicked off all of the marketing or I mean, sorry, the second one kicked off all the marketing. This one capitalized on it and then went, took it too far. You know, when I was around six or seven, it was desaturated. It was everywhere. And that was all the way into the 90s. And I think the Ninja Turtles is what really kick down the door of the new generation. You know, it's just like Transformers were kind of winding down a little bit. They came back. Rambo was winding down, G.I. Joe, all that stuff. Yeah, and I mean, it obviously super wound down because this was the last one, last Rambo movie we saw for 20 years. (laughs) That one 20 years in the future should have been the last Rambo. That's all we'll say about that. Uh, We'll wait till number four. (laughs) Yeah, but like, and then I'm I'm just curious too, like, and this is not like something we could have an answer for, but it is like, I think it's funny that Sylvester Stallone kind of stepped away from both Rocky and Rambo for so long. 
because Rocky Six didn't end up coming out until two thousand six, and then th- then Rambo Four didn't come out until two thousand eight. So he basically took the nineties off of of sort of two of his most iconic characters. Well, he was struggling. People didn't want to work with him. They were done with it. They thought he was just two different franchises. The last Rambo did really well. This one right here. Well, we'll say three was the last Rambo of the 80s. And then Rocky Five. They were considered bad films at the time. You know, that's for other people to decide. We'll give our opinions, but, you know, make your own. And it was kind of like, yeah, this guy's an 80s action star. It's time to move on. And he did struggle. Cobra was a success because of him, mostly because of his editing and how smart he is. Uh, And then finally, he didn't have a hit because I think Cliffhanger, didn't that do really poorly? Or am I wrong? I don't remember. I do remember kind of Cliffhanger was sort of one that was talked about as some kind of embarrassment, whether it was critically or financially. It was just funny because that also has gone on to become like a classic. Yeah, a cult classic. Much like Rambo (laughs) 2 or First Blood Part 2, I guess I should say. Yeah, and I don't think Stallone made his like come back until demolition man. Cause then you had judge dread and that kind of actually started another down trend. And then he came back with Copland when everyone was just like, Oh, you know, this guy can act. Yeah. Copland kind of felt more like Rocky one, you know, where he was or first blood, even one where he's kind of flexing his acting abilities and his storytelling and stuff like that. So yeah, the, the Oscar uh, caliber, Sylvester Stallone kind of came came back with Copland, but yeah, we wouldn't have had that without the dips of uh, Judge Dredd and things like that. And I, I just think it's so interesting that he was able to stay away from both these both of these iconic characters for so long, twenty years. Like, didn't touch either of them. <laughs> I don't think anyone was going to give him much money to do another one, and maybe he was uninspired. You know, he was burnt out. Yeah, because he wrote so many of these movies Mm -hmm. in both those franchises like maybe he also too just didn't have any interest in revisiting those stories yet until we get to the 2000s okay so let's kick off the watching of this this was released may 25th 1988 at a budget between 58 million and 63 million depending where you look wikipedia has a different total box office mojo has a different total whatever it's around there i'm sure with marketing it's closer to 80 million The box office total is actually where it gets really weird because I have two dramatically different totals. I didn't go any further other than two references. So if anyone finds anything out there, I'm going to let you know I was pretty lazy on this. I just thought it was kind of crazy. So with this game that we play with Matt, here we go, Matt. The movies that were in the box office at the same time, we had big with Mr. Tom Hanks, Crocodile Dundee 2, Willow, Bull Durham, Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, Poltergeist 3, and Funny Farm with Chevy Chase. I mean, I just gotta say, it sounds like 1988 was kind of a fucking dud year. (laughs) If I do say so myself, it sounds like kind of a dud uh, summer start there. Well, yeah, because the new blood is, I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about that. It's one of my least favorite. Same thing with Jason Takes Manhattan. Now, you and I can have a battle royale about who wins on all those when we actually do those, I'm sure, in like 2027. That's my prediction. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, the sh- the short answer of it is that that'll, that'll tie to this is I obviously I love takes Manhattan because it's God ridiculous. damn it, of course you will. <laughs> but but I think that New Blood is the worst in the series. Personally, I think New Blood is just a total snooze. Uh, and so many of those movies, I mean, like Bull Durham is good and. One of the other ones I think you said I liked, but like, yeah, man, like, oh, big, I'm sure. Oh, big, yeah, big. Yeah. I like big. Um, but the rest of those just sound like I don't know. Like, if this is May, this is May 1988. This is prime summer season, and that's yeah. the best you got. <laughs> From what I remember, Poltergeist Three is a snooze fest. I don't it's know. Okay, I haven't okay. watched it in years. Year, yeah, I think ten it's, years. It's, it's one of those that's like better than people make it out to be, but it's not great <laughs> yeah and funny farm with chevy chase chevy chase can sit on a fucking christmas tree i don't care <laughs> i think he is one of the most overrated comedians of all time i'm not going to disagree with you because i never really followed him his career it wasn't i wasn't like the biggest chevy chase guy i like the vacation movies that's about it <laughs> and as a human being he's the equivalent of a slug <laughs> with all that said that's like the most violent I've ever gotten towards an actor, <laughs> I feel like, in a long time. Calling him a slug. Um, but, like, so we, we just said all this. This makes me think, then, that Rambo 3, box office-wise, stands out among the pack. In that, I would think this, but I may, I may be totally wrong. So my guess would be, if your budget is around $80 million, my guess then for box office would also then be 80 million. Box office mojo has the entire year total for Rambo three as the 13th in domestic at $53 million. Okay. But then that's the gross. Then I click total gross and I'm like, Oh, that's going to throw things off a little bit. And then I see Rambo three, it's still $53 million. So I was like, huh, why does Wikipedia have it as a box office of 189? Are you telling me that internationally this film made 130 million dollars? Perhaps. Perhaps. Like, I is Rambo a big overseas? I know Rambo the character is always in uh, foreign lands, but is this is this a big series? Like in china and other places like yeah where where is this movie making this money then <laughs> yeah the first one was huge we talked about that in china but i couldn't find anything on china in the second one i don't know maybe the asian market really likes this because so far china and japan the big spenders in the far east have not been affected in these storylines so i think that helps because china and japan spend the most amount of money when it comes to the box office for these action films yeah, and these anti-Russian movies, which this one very much is because our villains are Russian, were so much bread and butter in the late 80s. We think mm. of the Red Dawns and everything that sort of came after that. Like all the uh, anti-Russian stuff was making money. Where these were, this was franchise bait here. So of course the bad guys are Russian here. And then, yeah, outside of then Russia... This movie's probably going to do really well everywhere else. (laughs) Yeah, so when it comes to you guessing, I'm going to give it to you, even though we have no real total. You're either $100 million off or just $30 million off. Either way, the score is now movies 321, Matt, two, and one tie. I'll take it. I will 
take it, and that sounds like an accurate record. Yeah, if the listeners want to uh, actually count that record, you need to go back to episode two and then listen all the way up and then tell us if we're correct. <laughs> yes, uh, do it. Start at episode two and work your way up, and then come back to me and tell me what you think of me in general. <laughs> all right, let's move on to this VHS cover for walking down the video store here. We've got Stallone, big, muscly, all greased up right on the cover. That's all you need. That's right. <laughs> Literally, it's Stallone, and then underneath him in a black muscle tee is Rambo 3, and then there's a helicopter like spying on him right above his right shoulder in the background. Because we get some fun helicopter play in this movie. Yeah. So that's, I guess, the other thing to be featured on the cover. It's greased up Rambo. And yeah, we get some fun helicopter V-Tank stuff later. <laughs> yeah, and I don't even see like a Carloco logo or anything on this. So Carloco produced it and TriStar Pictures distributed it. I don't even see them. They don't even. Yeah, there's the TriStar. A little bitty on the right. You see the horse and the triangle. You'd think a distributor or someone like that would really let everyone know, hey, we did this. Yeah, this is this is something we talked about heavily, I think, in the last episode. It's just like the way this, this franchise gets passed around from distributor to distributor. Now, TriStar and Carloco worked on the last one, but like, who put out this VHS? Is it TriStar? Is it Carloco? Well, I also see someone else that I don't see very often, which is AVIP or AVID. Avid? Mm-hmm. So this is already different than HBO Video, which was the last one. Again, just get passed around this franchise. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this just has someone, you know, that does the North American release and then the international releases are all over the place. Yeah, it's crazy. This I mean, just like the titles, the way that this movie, because uh, even from going then from three to four, it's going to be a whole other company again. And I just think it's totally insane that all these VHSs are coming from different distributors, which are different from theatrical releases and it differs from movie to movie. So I just think it's so interesting that like a lasting money making franchise that is, you know, like I said, lunchbox level uh, pop culture studios just like pass this around. <laughs> yeah, even though they make money, I don't understand why. Yeah. I don't and it's it's it goes back to the same thing of like I don't know why it took 20 years to get another one and I don't know why a studio didn't want to hang on to this like a golden goose like this is money printing itself here all you got to do is grease up Stallone like that cover and it should sell itself <laughs> yeah you should never be embarrassed embarrassed to send these things out if they make money who cares yep exactly <laughs> that's why I never understood why Paramount was so embarrassed about Friday the 13th like who gives a crap money never be embarrassed and there's uh some stuff i'll talk about in the next episode about lionsgate and what was happening at the time when rambo came out so like yeah it's don't if it's making you money who gives a shit <laughs> that's pretty much our motto if we were in charge if we were in charge of production it'd be you and i'd be like i don't care i'll produce christian films that teach the worst things ever if they produce money i'll just put like a little disclaimer 
uh, Stephen Bay doesn't believe in this shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I believe in making money. <laughs> yeah, these people are going to believe whatever the hell they want. So I'm just going to whatever. Uh, that's I'll go to hell with that stamp on my forehead. <laughs> All right, let's read the back here. Got two production stills and a title. That's it. Rambo three production stills shows all the Afghani rebels on their horses with the mountains in the background. And then we have another production still where Trotman and Rambo are behind a rock. I guess between a rock and a hard place. Because I think that's when the Russians are right in front of them. Yeah. Hilarious. Good call there. (laughs) (laughs) And then we've got box office sensation Sylvester Stallone is back in the most explosive Rambo adventure to date. Rambo 3 finds John Rambo living a secluded life in a Buddhist monastery in the search of inner peace. When friend and mentor Colonel Sam Trotman visits to ask for his help in a top-secret mission to Afghanistan, Rambo declines to enter another war. Trotman goes it alone. Oh, that's that's not right. It should be Trotman goes in it alone and is almost immediately captured by the enemy. When Rambo learns of his friend's fate, he immediately sets out to return Trotman to safety and a spectacular rescue that only Rambo could pull off. I find that you and I run across so many of these oddly written descriptions. Yeah, I think it's like around this time period too, like this late 80s, early 90s, is like when, when the video explosion happened. It was like, where the fuck are they getting these copywriters from? Yeah, because it says <laughs> Trotman goes it alone. No, and that's why it confused me so much. Because I thought I was the idiot, and then I look at it again, and I go, no, no, no. They're the idiots. <laughs> the way you talk, you know, sort of being written on a lot of these things. And it's like, that doesn't translate to, you know, a paragraph on the back of a box. You can't have it sound too conversational. It's got to be a description of the movie, mm-hmm. not just like somebody telling you what the movie's about. Um, so, yeah, and I, we keep finding this. We keep yeah. finding that, like, at least these copywriters are just like, uh, this is what I think of it. Here's a half sentence. And yeah, <laughs> that's what it's about. Most of these descriptions are like three paragraphs at the most. We get a couple books, but mostly they keep them two to three. Does no one edit them? Yeah, how many how many proofreads did they go through? Yeah. Because we've seen so many weird sentence structures and things like that. So mm-hmm. who knows? Well, even weirder than that is the runtime. When I see 102 minutes, and I actually caught this when I started watching the film, I was like, whoa, how long? 102 minutes for a Rambo? Like, after the last one, I thought everything would be 90 minutes. Yeah, this is the longest Rambo in the... Uh... In the first four here, it's it's weirdly, uh, yeah, like 12 minutes longer kind of than the rest of them. Uh, it, and it was a little uh, surprising, but I guess it's the late 80s, too. You know, now it's the epic, I guess the grand finale sort of it was for a while. Um, so maybe that's why it's a little longer than the other ones. I don't know. Mm, yeah, maybe. I don't really I, I think this has a lot to do with who was making the final call in these edits because it wasn't Stallone. There's no way Stallone lets us go 100 minutes. Yeah. And we know that because by the next one, we're back to 90. <laughs> exactly. So let's get into this VHS. We have no trailers. This really surprises me in 88 coming off this popular of a franchise. You think this VHS would have been rented by everyone. But do you think it has something to do with? the 
distributor maybe not believing in this or just the random tossing around of distributors you know is avid gonna put its movies on there is it going to put tristar movies on there is it going to put carloco movies on there are there carloco movies that are owned by somebody else yeah it was so how's that gonna go <laughs> that's a good point we've never discussed about what someone's allowed to put on a vhs and if there's any fights about it it does this get a pass because it's a production company but it's not the distributor so yeah I, and, and then also too yeah 88 our trailers as huge yet on vhs is it's not it's not the mid 90s you know it's not like where you're gonna put in a warner brothers movie and we'll see 10 trailers before the movie starts well i always wonder if warner brothers kicked off the trailers the most they seem to have the most so i wouldn't be surprised if they did yeah but yeah no trailers here and we we get started now before we get into the movie we didn't plan this to kind of come out when this is coming out <laughs> no we had a discussion on this pre to our recording that we had no idea that this movie taking place in Afghanistan with the rebels and everything was going to be coming out right around September 11th. Yeah. We are not trying to be controversial, spark, anything like that. We'll take the listens. If anyone listens because of that, sure. But we're two Midwestern idiots who are like, well, look at that. Ain't that interesting? <laughs> Truly, it was like, well, what are kind of some action franchises we can cover for the summer and the end of summer and stuff like that? Now, you know, Lethal Weapon and Rambo just kind of came up and that's what we did. But then, yeah, this one lands kind of coming out right around September 11th, right around our exit from Afghanistan in 2021 here. I don't know when you're listening to this, but if you're listening to it when it's live, whoops. We didn't mean to do that. <laughs> well, at least this film was better than our exit. Oh, not according to the Golden Raspberry Awards. Shit. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Yeah. I mean, this movie, it's funny how we talked about how like the last movie was panned. Like, yeah, this movie too, more of the same. It, it, it is iconic and part of pop culture, but critically not beloved. <laughs> no. I only read one critics review on this and it was like the third one I clicked. It was in 1988 and it really trashed this film. Like it was angry. This film was made and it's kind of like sometimes I'm, I'm mad at films too, but it's usually before it's usually about its content. And I would understand if you're upset about the content of this film, but this critic was mostly mad that a stupid action film like this is being made. And I'm like, oh, you're one of those critics where yes. your ideals are getting in the way of you actually constructively criticizing the film. Because like his first paragraph was mostly about films like this shouldn't be made. I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to continue to read this. <laughs> yeah, it's one of it's one of those things like we we always deal with it in horror all the time too where it's like don't have somebody who doesn't like horror movies review the new horror movies coming out. Like you don't have to have a super fan doing it, but like somebody who's a neutral party should be your kind of reviewer. If you have a critic that doesn't like action movies, don't send him to go see Rambo 3. He's not going to like it. <laughs> he's yep. all, he's already got too many preconceived notions going in. That said, I am not the biggest Rambo fan. I like these movies or whatever. This one was my favorite of the original trilogy. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're complete opposite. This was, this was my least favorite. 
And we'll go into it right now with the feature presentation. And now, our feature presentation. So we have a film that's taking place three years past the second one, which is funny because this, you know, the second one came out three years previous in 85. Uh, I believe the first to second one had the same timeline. So all of this is following the same timeline of the 80s. Yeah, but there's some weird timeline stuff from one to two, though, where it's like, is this set in a different time than when it came yes. out type thing? Uh, so it's not perfect. But yes, this one is three years apart in story and in release. But they're doing the same thing with the first to second. Even though you look at the first one, you're like, are you sure we're taking play? You know what I mean? Like the first one kind of seems like it's taking place in like night. The book was written in 72. But the film kind of feels like it was taking place in like 76, 77. Right. Even though the film came out in 82. Right. So there is a little bit of confusion. I don't think we actually talked about it in the second one. But hey, we've got this one to talk about it. So there we go. Timeline seems odd. But everyone with the storyline has been spaced out the exact same amount of years that it came out on in theater. Yes. Which is interesting. You don't see many. I don't know if I can recall any that do that. Lethal Weapon? Yeah, they kind of timed that one pretty well. They timed those like release to time that takes place in between the movies or whatever. Yeah, so this one, I love how when you started the description for it and you said like living peacefully, he's he's living peacefully, but he's still doing like blood sport fights for money. <laughs> Yeah, but they're not deadly fights. I mean, I guess they could be, but he refuses to kill someone. And then he goes off and he lives peacefully in this, you know, monastery. I think it's in Thailand. Yes. Is that what they said? Uh, Yeah. My biggest concern with this whole thing is I think Trotman is a real dick in this. And let me play the clip for the viewers out there. I don't know what you think about this place. But I like it. I like being here. I like working here. I like belonging to something. You do belong to something, not this. When are you going to come full circle? What are you talking about? You said that your war is over. Maybe the one out there is, but not the one inside you. I know the reasons you're here, John, but it doesn't work that way. You may try, but you can't get away from what you really are. What do you think I am? A full-blooded combat soldier. Not anymore. I don't want it. That's too bad, because you're stuck with it. Let me tell you a story, John. There was a sculptor, and he found this stone, a special stone. He dragged it home, and he worked on it for months, until he finally finished it. When he was ready, he showed it to his friends, and they said he had created a great statue. And the sculptor said he hadn't created anything. The statue was always there. He just cleared away the small pieces. We didn't make you this fighting machine. We just chipped away the rough edges. So Rambo's like, you know, hey, this isn't my war anymore. I'm at peace. I'm helping these people. I only do the stick fighting to raise money for them. And then Trotman's like, you got evil inside of you, boy. You know you got a war in you. When are you going to accept who you are? And I'm like, but maybe Rambo is actually a peaceful monk now. Yeah. It's like, it's like something that we touched on in two. It's like sort of Trotman is this conservative 
military leader guy whereas rambo has always been this kind of neutral party so here's this kind of conservative military guy being like let's go to war let's fight you know and rambo's like we're not we're not at war right now i'm just chilling here <laughs> like yeah. i am like it's not it's not that he is vehemently anti-war it's not that he is like literally a monk because he is doing the fighting and stuff like that but he's a neutral party and Truman's like come on let's go brother <laughs> yeah he's an instigator yes this guy is sitting here john rambo is sitting peaceful he's working on you know the the buddhist monastery uh it's roof at one point you know he's telling him it's not my war i want to stay out of it just let the dude chill and you just want to keep using him as a tool all he is is a cog in this damn war wheel or this damn war machine and he's tired of being it but then kurtwood smith shows up and he's just i can't believe you're i think kurtwood smith says something like hey i thought you said this man was a team player turns out that he turns him down now listeners Kurtwood Smith is in this for about five minutes and you've never seen Steve Bay more mad at the end of the film where like he went, where the fuck's Kurtwood? Yeah, I think Kurtwood's in this movie simply because RoboCop came out the year before and he was probably a hot commodity. And yes, they stick him in here for five minutes and literally give him nothing to do. (laughs) I honestly thought he was going to be on the sides of either the Russians or the Afghanis at the end. I thought he was going to come in at the end and be like, I brought you reinforcements, damn it. America ain't sitting this one out or something they, like that. They also set him up where he could be this movie's Charles Napier, you know, being behind the computers or whatever, you know, like the guy, uh, the you know, the war machine guy. Uh, but yeah, they just like have him kind of come in, also try to recruit Rambo, and then he's on a helicopter and that's it. No more. <laughs> so I'm saying you had options and you decided to use none of them. <laughs> but, you know, that could be because of the turmoil with the shooting, you know, whoever with the director and whoever. I don't know. I'm sure there are rewrites on this. Usually a film like this does have rewrites. <sighs> you can't get a name like that and, and just not use it. A total, a total loss there. And he kind of is like the exposition guy a little bit, but even he doesn't even really fully have that. So, yeah, but I mean, then we kind of get Rambo in action a little bit. We get him, we get him out of his peacefulness here. We get plucked out of because trauma gets captured. I got to mock the stick fighting a little bit. I don't have a problem with any of the choreography or anything like that. It just felt like, well, this feels added at the beginning of the film to get action in because we don't have action for another 40 minutes. <laughs> and then I read right on Wikipedia. Yep, it was completely added at the end. It's like, no kidding. Because they have the stick fighting to set up more action. But the whole point of Rambo is he was supposed to be a Buddhist monk who's like living peacefully. And then you wrecked it with, you know, like the five minute intro, which I think is mocked all the time from or hot shots part due to you know mcgruber it's mm-hmm. mocked all the time you know mm-hmm. where he, he's got all the muscles he pulls his bandana he turns around and then he gets into a fight you know okay but anyway yeah which so. is an iconic shot but like much like uh alien three having one of the most iconic shots of the whole series come from the third movie it's hilarious right mm-hmm and it was added at the end, so it wasn't on purpose. You can't think of Rambo without thinking of him 
standing up from behind, muscles tying that bandana. You can't think of this series without that shot, and you get it because of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Trotman gets uh, captured, and then Kurtwood returns back to tell him, he's like, hey, you know, America can't get involved in this because we don't want World War Three." So Rambo convinces him to send him on a solo mission to enter Pakistan, get his own weapons, and then go to rescue Trotman on his own in Afghanistan. He agrees to him. We see him meet with an arms dealer. He gets a bunch of weapons. They take him to a rebels camp that is by the closest town that is in Afghanistan. So these rebels want to attack, but they won't. Uh, We do get a good speech from the chieftain. And I'll play it right here. Most of the Afghan people are very strong. And we are determined not to be driven from our land. Our children die of disease, mines, and poison gas. And the women are raped and killed. Last year in the valley of Legman, the next valley, 6,000 Afghans were killed. Pregnant women were cut with bayonets and their babies thrown into the fires. This is done so they will not have to fight the next generation of Afghans. Yet nobody sees anything or reads anything in the papers. What you see here are the Mujahideen soldiers, holy warriors. To us, this war is a holy war. And there's no true death for the Mujahideen because we have taken our last rites and we consider ourselves dead already. To us, death for our land and God is an honor. So, my friend, what we must do is to stop this killing of our women and children. If getting this land free, so he can return to the free world and tell what happens here is necessary, then of course we will help. So there you go. I mean, there's the setup of all this. And you get this like really kind of like deep meaning to all this of why these rebels are fighting. You know, so many have died on their side. And you start to think you're like, okay, this is a different type of Rambo film. I think we're returning to our roots from the first one. Wrong. (laughs) Here comes the blood and the bombs. (laughs) Yeah, but first they've got to play this dead lamb game. Yes. This is bizarre. (laughs) I'm sure this is a real game there. But when you just look at it from the context of this movie, they're playing in a game before they're about to go on to do this war in the movie. Now, I understand Rebels would be playing this game to like kill time, so to speak. But it feels odd in the middle of this movie. But it's just to set up a bunch of helicopters coming and blowing some shit up. Yeah, it feels like something that, you know, Stallone or a producer or something saw, you know, in, uh, in in a culture, you know, like whether they were over there for like military or whether they were doing research for the movie. I don't know if that was something that happened or whatever, but this feels like something that someone saw and was like, hey, we should put that in the movie because I saw that they do this. Now, I guess we should explain it. They're on horses. And one team tries to grab the dead lamb. And I'm not kidding. It's just a dead lamb. I think, right? It's a... It's a dead animal. I mean, I don't know. It's either a goat or a lamb. I don't know. Yeah. And then the other team tries to knock the horse, you know, the guy riding on the horse, either knock him over or steal it so they can put it in their circle to get their points. 
that's the game. Pretty simple. It's so- it's soccer with a dead animal on a horse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And like you mentioned too, this is probably about forty ish 42 minutes minutes, yeah into this uh into this hour 42 minute movie so we only have an hour left of this thing but with this hour hour that or with this 42 (laughs) minutes that goes by one of the things i do like is and i cannot think of any for the life of me right now but there was a good hefty amount of pretty hilarious one-liners that were happening leading up to the action again i can't remember any of them right now but there was there was some wonderful machismo one-liners along the way before we get to the bloodshed i think they're trying to give him kind of some of the arnold one-liners yes there i mean some of them are okay i remember them you know they just don't have the same charm as arnold it's a different character i think that's the problem rambo isn't funny yeah, Rambo doesn't need to have one-liners like that, but it, that's usually specifically reserved for Troutman in this series, actually. But yeah, I know. He usually gets the best ones. So, yeah, we kind of have Rambo doing the silly 80s one-liners, but I just remember kind of sitting on my couch and just being like, just laughing. Like, just being like, oh my God, this is so like 80s muscle meathead machismo gotta do this for the greater good kind of hilarity of uh all these one-liners that rambo was dropping is this jumping of the shark of 80s superheroes is this or super soldiers is this the actual like jumping of the shark some critics might say so like and maybe they would say maybe the second one was over this one or i don't know i don't know 85 seems a tad early because we had some pretty good things come out you know we had um jean-claude van damme come out with Bloodsport. what 87 yeah i think so i think yeah so. i don't know let's just put this up as the nominee we, we can figure that out when we go through every 80s action film but this has got to be one 87 seems like the correct year me 88 seems about the good year to do it because this is when we had you know like the way too many you know friday the 13th 7 comes out in the same year that's when it's just like okay guys i think you're running out of things to say we're now putting a psychic in it to fight jason <laughs> yeah exactly and i think there's a reason that like the hot shots part do kind of looked at this one and yeah mcgruber and stuff like that like you mentioned like th- i think there's a reason that this is kind of that spoofed movie in that benchmark and it's probably because like you said this is the one that kind of kicked off that stupid machismo meathead action genre that lasted into well into direct to video in the mid 90s <laughs> yeah i think a lot of the mid 90s ones were looking back at this they're like we need a rambo three type character <laughs> it's like are you sure because that one was kind of made fun of shut up that's all we could afford <laughs> And and the the deadly praise and things were born. <laughs> exactly, but that's an amazing movie. Relative to what we're talking Relative. about, yeah. amazing to watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so we have the helicopters attack them while they're playing the dead goat lamb animal game. Uh, Rambo destroys one of them with a turret, which I always remember from the trailer uh, when that he blows it up. But there's actually another helicopter blow up that's even more memorable. And we'll get to that. So basically, this kicks off like Rambo's like, okay, I've had enough. Uh, I'm going to go through all these caves with this kid and this guy who supplied the guns. They're going to get me to this camp. We're going to break in and go through security, set up some bombs and try to get Trotman out. Now, it, it wasn't fully successful, 
but he penetrated the defense and then he escaped in like a sewer and then we get him and his friend down there and I mentioned this that they had to escape into like a sewer and everything because Rambo literally lights himself on fire to cure himself. What it actually a really good effect too, by the way. I know. Like I it, don't it know it how they real. did that. It looks real. It looks like he really has a hole in his side that he is blowing shut with gunpowder. With gunpowder. Uh, yeah, incredible effect. When I was watching this movie, though, I couldn't help but, like I said, this one I hadn't seen before. This section, and I know he does it in all of them, but this section really reminded me of the last one. Uh, Last Blood, which we won't really talk too much about um, in uh, with this podcast because it sucked. But <laughs> we'll basically review Last Blood for five minutes, and it will be just both of us bitching for two and a half. Right, exactly. But that's all I'm saying. <laughs> the last bit of Last Blood is Rambo setting up Home Alone traps in an underground cave, and kind of, kind of similar to what's happening in this one. Like I said, he kind of does shit like this in all of them. But for whatever reason, when I was watching this one, it really did remind me of Last Blood, which I had seen before this one. Uh, and I was just like, oh, that's funny. Like, it's, it's a Rambo 3 connection. Then. Yeah, First Blood <laughs> used it the most when he was setting up the traps to get all the sheriffs and deputies and everything at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then this one, yeah, it goes into it a little bit more. I could see that. And then it's kind of like every odd film, they use a lot of Home Alone traps. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but I just like really got that like, last blood vibes here but uh, like this movie a lot more i'll watch this movie i think this movie's half of it's boring as shit and i'll watch this movie any day from last blood oh yeah because that one yeah it's terrible but uh and yeah you get this great scene with the self-surgery which was so like great effects it felt painful uh i i like that i really like that part a lot actually <laughs> i would love to get a real doctor in here to say like what what would happen after you do that because i imagine you would just be riddled with infection <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure a doctor would be like uh don't put gunpowder in the hole in your side <laughs> we've all seen it in movies where they like cure a wound with fire they like you know burn it shut this one is just wasn't it a bullet wound right through him or was it shrapnel? I, it was either like a bullet wound or like an arrow or something like yeah. that. Like something went through him and then it's cause it's, he's got it front to back on his side. And yeah, he basically like has to fill the hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did. I don't know how they did that effect and it is incredible. So they should be given credit for that. But we move on to where he tells the gunman and the kid to, you know, like leave I can do this on my own. And then he returns and capture and uh, rescues Trotman before he is killed with a flamethrower, <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy enough. But in this film, that's tame. Yeah, exactly. Being somebody being killed by a flamethrower is nothing <laughs> by the time you get to the end of this movie. Because they literally walk out of the like whole complex here and then steal a gunship uh, with a bunch of soldiers on it that i guess they're wait who are these people that they have on the gunship the are these the rebels that are like working with rambo here i don't know but they've got other people someone's shot and they fall out of it the helicopter wrecks immediately because it was like hit or whatever with some gunfire but what i love is right before they fly it trotman looks at rambo and goes can you fly that and he goes we're about to find out and i'm like wow 
what a risk <laughs> yeah it's a classic rambo like cartoon shit right like yeah. of course he can fly a helicopter that he's never flown before <laughs> fuck it why not i mean he figured out how to fly the first helicopter in the second one and we have no idea if he actually has any skills in flying a helicopter <laughs> who cares it's, it's rambo. rambo he can do it all he's a one-man army <laughs> yeah uh and then they escape he blows up a helicopter with an explosive tip arrow, which makes its return from the second one. Very exciting for me. <laughs> Big fan of the exploding arrows and was very happy to see it used on some heavy machinery in this one. <laughs> now, I may have made this up in my head, but I'm pretty sure they cut to the guy's face like with surprise right before he blows up in the helicopter. Like, Of huh? course they do. It's an 80s action movie of... Of course you have to get the bad guy going. <laughs> That's straight out of a canon film because I just recently watched Death Wish 3 and they do that. Where it's just like a classic trope that you have to have in an 80s action film where the bad guy has to have the dumbass look like, oh, <laughs> I love it. Don't ever get rid of it, folks. Put it in the 2000s, the 3000s. Keep it forever certain i am certain that they that second unit's job in these action 80s movies is shooting action scenes and reactions before they blow up <laughs> that is the second unit director and second unit uh the department's job solely on these movies it's like all right and you're about to get hit with an exploding arrow and go <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> also, I should let you know that I've been reported to get 20 of these reaction shots, so be creative. <laughs> well, I'll use these last 10 one. They'll never use them, and then they end up using them in the shot. <laughs> whatever, you, whatever shot you think they won't use, they will. They will, yeah. <laughs> whatever one you're like, that wasn't my best. That's the one that's going to be in the movie. <laughs> uh, and then Trotman... And Rambo escape into a cave. Uh, they go crazy killing some dudes with some. I see Rambo running around sniping people with arrows and Trotman shooting some people. Then he ends up taking out like the second in command, I guess you would say. Basically the big muscle head. Yeah, the, the classic 80s trope of the second in command guy who is like the big kind of threat and then the is is the brawn and then the brains is our big bad at the end but we always have the second in command thing in these late, late 80s movies it's such a thing and yeah. yeah they have the big battle in the caves with him everyone's doing the indiana jones yes every yeah this is such a trope in these movies i know like i don't know if spielberg stole this from the 50s or whatever that he got it from the serial comics i don't really care because it came back so well in the 80s that people use it over and over. And if you were that good with something, I mean, how when someone steals from you, that's like a badge of honor. Exactly. So if that is if that becomes a, a genre trope and you get to own that, that's good awesome. For, yeah, good for you. <laughs> Obviously, Spielberg has enough things that have been stolen from him all from his shots alone, from his storytelling. And he's just racking up the trophies. Yeah. And that's okay by me <laughs> and i'm sure that's okay by a lot of fans it's like, <laughs> if it works it works exactly i love to see it so <laughs> what is crazy about this is when they get out of the cave and they're trying to run away they're trying to get to the border uh get into pakistan to escape you know then they get cornered by the russian army who's just got like a you know 
a big old helicopter with a bunch of guns, some tanks, a bunch of trucks, and a lot of guys with guns. And <laughs> Rambo and Trotman are looking straight at him behind a rock, and they're like, do we give up? He's like, nah. He fires a rocket at, like, a, I think a, a fuel tank, fuel tanker truck or whatever, blows it up, jumps into a crack above, and then the rebel army from Pakistan is attacking. They go across the border. It gives Rambo enough time to get into a tank. And this right here, this five minute sequence at the end is absurd. It's a tank V helicopter. How could you not? What What's not to love here? <laughs> this is what surprised me is how they decide to take how they, you know, the writers get together, whoever's putting this together. They're like, well, how is he going to take down this helicopter in a tank? Most of us would assume he's going to shoot the helicopter down with the tank, the big rocket, whatever the tank shoots. No, no. Somehow the guy in the helicopter decides, oh, going straight on to ram the tank is the best way to take it out. Yes. (laughs) So Rambo defeats a helicopter in a tank by ramming into it on the ground level. Yes. Which has a reaction shot from the bad guy before he blows up. <laughs> you know there were people in the second unit and everyone who was sitting there looking at the script. And they're like, really? The helicopter's going to just run right into the tank? That's how it's going to happen? Okay, let's shoot it. There was probably so much coke and steroids on that set that they were probably just like, yeah, fuck it, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> let's go right now. <laughs> makes sense to me Hi, the only way you can defeat Rambo is if you you know like sacrifice yourself okay let's go <laughs> let's blow some shit up <laughs> so as Trotman and Rambo walk off in victory what's the message that we get dedicated to the people of Afghanistan wow is there any action film from the 80s or maybe any action film ever that has aged more poorly than Rambo 3. Uh, this one sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It just, it doesn't hit the same in 2021, <laughs> um, as the kids say. Uh, and it was, it was so funny sort of watching it. But then it ends with the best song in the series <laughs> uh i think over the credits here yeah we get we get this end song after it's dedicated to the the people of afghanistan again not hitting as well as uh it we would like in 2021 but we get this amazing uh cover of the hollies song uh i believe it was the hollies that did it first or or at least the biggest version of it um that uh, bill medley does of he ain't heavy he's my brother and it is so good at the end of this movie it's so cheesy it's yeah. so 80s it's not frank stallone but it'll do <laughs> well i was gonna say only one man could have sang this better and it's and frank, frank stallone, stallone. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i listened to the whole song too <laughs> but it was the middle of the night it was like 11 30 on a friday night i'm like what else am i doing Exactly. You watch the those whole end credits for sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's so good. But uh, yeah, it's weird. It's different, and it definitely sticks out like a sore thumb. Being kind of like a pro Afghanistan movie before kind of everything changed. <laughs> yeah. So let's go on to the museum. 
This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle like Indy and bring something back. I have like three things I can put in this. So uh, I don't know how many you have. I have two I could use that I like, so. All right. I'm just going to go with the shot of the exploding arrow into the helicopter with the expression of whoa. Because I think that just defines how ridiculous this entire film is. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's why I love this movie. I mean, the the one liners and the machismo and stuff in the first 40 minutes are delicious. But the absolutely ridiculous, cartoonish, over the top violence, just like the comical 80s violence that the uh, last hour of this movie has is just it's so fun to me. And that's a perfect definer of it. I one of the things that I'm not going to put in the museum, but I almost considered putting in the museum was the uh, the end with the tank, the helicopter, again, with the expression of the bad guy before he blows up. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a very worthy choice to put in. Both of them are basically the same in a way. <laughs> I just I don't know actually which one's more ridiculous, a guy hiding behind a rock from a with and mind you that this helicopter has missiles. It could have just been firing, you know, to yeah. destroy the rock so they could then see Rambo because they know he's behind the rock. There's nowhere else for him to hide. <laughs> but one little arrow. <laughs> it's with an explosive arrow. Boom. Then again, I don't know. You're in a helicopter. You could stay way far in the air where the tank couldn't get you and you could just fire missiles at it. But I went with the first one. It just had more <laughs> of an impact on me. Yeah, they're both both fantastic. My my museum contribution has got to be the self surgery scene because it looks amazing, it looks real, and it's over the top fucking ridiculous. I don't think it's a good idea to pour gunpowder in an open wound ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I'm glad they did it here for my entertainment. Yeah, it's that, that scene is just one of those where I looked at it and I go seriously. You couldn't just like burn both sides. You had to go Movie through. No. <laughs> well, I think this is also one of the franchises that like made fun of that. Even like uh, last action hero started to make fun of where you could never hurt the hero. It's just a flesh wound. Yeah. Rambo here is virtually indestructible. He is not. He cannot be taken down. He is. If you think about it, it's like it's fitting for the character that he is a one-man army or whatever but truly he is one dude just a dude just some meathead righted out dude who is fighting against an entire army and tanks and helicopters it's not it's not based in reality (laughs) it's not even close to based in reality like terminator 2 is more based in reality Yeah, exactly, because the computers are taking over. But there's no way that one old Italian dude is going to be taking on the entire uh, Afghan army (laughs) and Russian army. I don't care how many push-ups you can do. You're just not going to take on a whole army. (laughs) Uh, But God bless Rambo for doing it for me in in the 80s here because uh, I had a blast at this movie. Yeah, I'm going to be the downer with this where I'm like, I in a recommend, I think this is only for completists. Uh, again, like I said, with the lethal weapon, I think, you know, stick with one and two. But to anyone who watches this talking out there to the completists, 
I can tell you the last 20 minutes of this film, or maybe even 30 minutes, are a fucking blast. It's the problem is the first 70. Ugh. I mean, even the stick fight was just kind of like, eh, it's a little appetizer. But your main course still isn't for like another 60 minutes. I'm starving here. I was fine with it. I usually kind of have problems pacing all the time, but for whatever reason, this one just had a, had me have a big goofy smile on my face from start to finish. You just couldn't get enough of those rebels. Couldn't couldn't do it. Couldn't get enough of Rambo in his greased up body. <laughs> all right, that'll end it this week. Come back next week when we take on the last Rambo, because we only pretend that four came out. Yes, it's it's the it's the full circle final chapter for sure. <laughs> exactly. So remember to be kind. Everyone.